0: Chapter 4 of the Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table, by at Hawkins. The Password. At our next meeting, Robbie Hood announced that he and Jerry had found the boats, but had not dared to bring them back. Why? demanded Dick Ferris, our captain. If you found them, why were you afraid to bring them back? Because, said Robbie Hood promptly, you wouldn't have touched them either if you had been the one to find them. Whereabouts on the river did you find them? asked our captain. No place, answered Robbie Hood, and our captain looked peeved. No place, he repeated. Well then, where did you find them? In Banklet Creek, answered Robbie. By the way, you don't have to blame me for finding them if that's the way you're going to feel about it. You needn't have such a long face, Dick Ferris. I didn't see him first. It was me. Spoke up Jerry Moore with a grin on his brown face. I'm the guy, Dick. I found those canoes and skiffs all tucked away in the still water of the creek. Why didn't you ask me first? I'm asking you now, Jerry Moore, said Dick, rather peeved. If you were a true blue member of this club, you would have brought the whole outfit back. Why didn't you? For only one reason, said Jerry with a smile. Only one reason why I didn't bring him back, Dick, old captain. It's a pretty good reason at that. If you'd have been there, you'd have done no better. You'd left the boats just where they are now. Why? Because. Because there's a fella sitting watching them, and he had a shotgun pointing straight at us through the bushes. I won't mention his name. Maybe because I don't know it. Leastways, me and Robbie figured it wouldn't be safe enough to touch the boats. I ain't hankerin' to get no half dozen buckshots into the seat of my pants. No sirree. Why not come right out and say you're too darn scared to fight? And that was more than Jerry Moore's quick temper could stand. Look a here, he said quickly. Look a here, Dick Ferris. You nor nobody else ain't going to say stuff like that to me and get away with it. You see, just wait a minute. I broke in. Just wait a little minute here, you fellas. What you think this is? A prize fight or something? How do you get that way anyhow? Who's trying to stir up a fuss here? He ain't going to say those things to me, protested Jerry. And he ain't going to get away with that coward stuff either. Broke in Dick. No, I said, you're both wrong. That's all. We ain't meetin' here to see how soon we can start a fight among ourselves. We want our boats back. That's what we're after. Now then, Jerry, where are the boats? In the still water, said Jerry quickly, right below the old mill stream. The old mill house stands right above, maybe 15 feet. The water still comes down, but it misses the mill. The boats have been shoved up beyond, hidden in the green branches of the willows that hang over the water. They're all there, but somebody's watching them. What do we care for that? I said. "'The boats are ours. We're going to get them. "'We will fight for them if we have to, but we will get them.' "'What's this racket about?' chimed in a new voice. "'It was good old Doc Waters coming in the door. "'In a few words, we explained to him the situation, "'but I could see in a moment that Doc didn't like the looks of things. "'He turned to me, as he usually does in cases of this kind, and said, "'I suppose you boys are in for it again. "'I don't know how I shall explain it this time to the old judge.' You know that he has caught me many times sticking up for you fellows when you were all to blame. Doc, I yelled. He smiled. His face softened a little. Perhaps not, he said in a low voice. Perhaps not to blame altogether. But the old judge is getting old. He wants you boys to make things easy for him around this old river bank. We will see to that, I broke in. But you should not make trouble that you can avoid, said Doc. Hawkins, you know I always want to see you and this clubhouse get along but I must draw the line when you invite trouble. Invite it, I asked. You did, he said. I was here the other night when those two strange boys called. They meant trouble. I saw that. You didn't try to avoid it. You seemed to invite it. You opened the door wide and said, come in. What would you have said, I demanded. Doc smiled. Well, he said, I think I should have turned it off a little better. But Never mind. I have no business button in your meetings. I'd better be going. I'm on my way to Hobbs Ferry. I thought maybe you boys would take me up. I'll take you, Doc, said Robbie Hood. And so it was Robbie who took Doc Waters to Hobbs Ferry. After they had gone, Jerry Moore spoke up, bringing the subject of our boats once more before the meeting. I want you to understand me, he said. I am not afraid to fight Pooley or any of his gang, but I am careful, as Hawkins himself would be. That old mill, Steetson's Mill, they call it? It ain't just right. I had to laugh aloud. I guess it's haunted or something, I said. Jerry looked around at all the faces of our boys and pointed a finger at me, exclaimed, yeah, it is haunted. Ah, I said, just as I expected. And who's the spirits of traveling about in that old dilapidated mill? Don't ask me, answered Jerry. But Rube Mueller, he lives around Bank Lake Creek. He told me last year that it wasn't a safe place for a fella to be in. He said it was haunted ever since the old Miller died. I laughed again. (laughs) That must have been before you were born, Jerry, I said. But haunted or not, I'm going up to the old mill and get our boats. And I don't care who's up there with the gun either. Who's with me? They were all with me to hear him yell. But I couldn't take them all along because we only had one boat, the flatboat that we had borrowed from the Pelman fella. I took Shadow Loomis and Urbacoam along and told the other boys they would have to foot it if they wanted to come and that we would meet them at Banklet Creek. It was a nice trip. Everything is looking so pretty now and there isn't a wilder place in the world than around the old cliffs along the river. I thought to myself that I would have to take a trip up to the cliffs soon, just to look around. It reminded me of the days when Stoner's boy was flitting around these parts. We were up on the cliffs often then, and most of the time running as fast as our legs could take us. Stoner surely was one who could make you use your legs, and most always we would be going in front. The few times that we ever got close enough to Stoner to tag him, you could count on your thumbs. The old mill was a pretty sight as we turned the last bend of the Twisting Creek. It's old, old as the hills, it seems, and its roof is all green, covered with moss, and the wild grass runs riot about the place. The dried timbers have lost their rusted nails and have sprung apart. The old wooden gutter that formerly led the water from the mill dam to the wheel still stands on rickety legs, but it has been many a day since water last flowed through it. The mill stream itself is sluggish and dead. The old wheel that has not turned for more than fifteen years still stands as a reminder of the days when the people would bring their own grain to the mill to be ground. The spindle is rusted fast in its socket. The woods have grown pretty wild here for many long years, and the trees and bushes grow out to the edge of the bank, the willows hanging in the water. Right behind the old mill, one tall, lonesome pine holds up its head like a giant guarding the old relic of other days. There wasn't a sound when we came up, except the splashing of our oars and the calls of the birds who have their paradise in these wildwood treetops. There are the boats, I said, pointing up beyond the mill. They are almost hidden under those overhanging willows. But you can see Roy Dobble's red skiff. And there's the stem of Jerry Moore's long green canoe, too. Let's go right up, Shadow, and bring them down. I don't think there's anybody around here. We won't have any trouble. Urbacomb had been sitting quietly in the boat. He laughed. I'll bet the woods are full of them, he said in a low voice. Pulley's pals can walk like cats. They never make a sound, Hawkins, and they'll be on the lookout. There came a call from the bank on the other side. Turning, I saw all the other boys who had come on foot. Jerry was making a motion for us to come and get them. Land us here, Shadow, I said, and then go over and get some of the other boys. We will take a look around while you're gone. The flatboat was brought up to the bank a short distance from the old mill. Herb and I sprang out, and Shadow started across to bring the other boys. Let's take a look around, Herb, I said. Durn! if I don't think this is the purtiest place I ever laid my eyes on. Don't that old mill look like a picture with that green background? Oh boy, I wish I was an artist. Wouldn't I like to paint that though? It sure is purty," said Herb. Watch your step, Hawkins. I'm kind of afraid there's pulley's pals around here. Not that I'm afraid, but I don't want to stick my head in any trouble lest I see it coming. I listened for a few seconds. Then I said, it's too quiet, Herb. That's one thing that always makes me perk up and take notice. I kind of think you're right. We'll pick our steps carefully. Listen, said Herb. Hear how the birds scream every little while? Can't fool the birds, Hawkins. They know someone's in these woods. You can always tell by the way the birds screech. It's us they've seen, Herb, said I. Come on, let's go. I started through the wild grass and weeds that lined the bank. It reached to my chest. I had to fight through it with outstretched arms and high lifting steps. Once in a while, a branch of a young tree would come slapping back into my face, and the bees that were busy on the white-topped flowers would wing away with an angry buzz. Finally, I reached a little board that came down from the big wooden gutter that formerly led the water to the wheel. It was a board about 10 inches wide, with strips nailed on it every foot or so to the top, so that it could be climbed like a ladder. Up this I climbed, and Herb followed me, and we both stood on top of the big wooden gutter. From our high place, we could easily look down into a quiet water where lay our canoes and skiffs. Not a soul was to be seen, not a sound, other than I have mentioned. Woohoo! It was our boys calling. I turned and looked back, and I could see by the waving grass that they were coming. Presently, Jerry Moore and Dick Ferris popped into sight. They hailed us again and came for the ladder. Not up here, I called down to them. Go under, and we will join you. Everybody to the boats and get them away as fast as we can. Once we have them back home, we can feel safe. All right, Hawkins, sang out Jerry. Shadow's gone back to get the other boys. We will wait for you up there by the canoes. We did not stop to go into the mill. We hurried over to the end of the big wooden gutter, and just as we were about to step off, Herbacombe grabbed my arm and leapt to the thick bushes on the opposite side, pulling me with him. We fell in a heap and a thorn stuck in my hand. What's up? I whispered. "Sh," And then I saw what had caused him to jump. The bushes were moving up above us. Somebody was coming. It could have been our boys, but it wasn't. I saw that first by the muzzle of a gun. Then the bushes parted and a strange boy stood for a moment, looking about. A few seconds later, another boy appeared, but he didn't carry a gun. He walked quickly over to the boy with the gun. Seventy-six, he said. Seventy-seven, said the boy with the gun. At the same time, he held out the gun and his companion took it. Without another word, they parted. The boy who had received the gun waited a few minutes, watching his friend until the moving bushes hid him from sight. Then he turned his eyes upon the mill and started walking slowly to the big wooden gutter. Reaching it, he leaped nimbly across the gap that separated it from the hillside and made his way to the ramshackle mill. He disappeared in one of the small windows. Now, I said, come on, Herb, to the boats. We went under the wooden gutter now and to the boats where Jerry and Dick were waiting. We got them all ready to go at a moment's notice and then waited. I hoped the other boys would hurry now, and that they would not be seen by the sentinel who was guarding the mill. That they were Pulley's knights of the square table I could not be sure of, because they were not in the square cap, nor did they wear the queer costume, but somehow I felt that they were Pulley's pals, and I did not want to have any fuss with them now. All I wanted was to get our boats back. We couldn't do a thing without boats, and I was tired of borrowing the flatboats from Pelham whenever we had to travel on the water. I felt thankful when at last Shadow came with all the other boys. Dick quickly ordered them to their places, and away we went. As we came toward the old mill, I began to hope that the watcher inside the old ruin would not poke his head out and see us. I wasn't afraid of his gun, but I was afraid that he could summon the whole gang upon us if he saw us, and then we would have to stand the risk of not only losing our boats again, but of fighting a water battle besides. But somehow, I knew he would, and he did. Our boat was the last. I was in Jerry Moore's long green canoe with Jerry, Shadow, Dick, and Herb. We had the flatboat trailing along behind us. The other boats had all passed the old mill quietly and were already out of sight around the bend. Only our canoe was visible when the sentinel in the mill stepped out of the window and stood upon the top of the old mill wheel. He looked at us intently for a moment. If he had seen all the other boats going, I don't know what he might have said or done. As long as he didn't fire that gun and signal to the rest of his gang, I was satisfied. He seemed to fasten his eyes upon me. Then, in a loud voice, he yelled down to me, seventy Seventy-seven! seven I shouted back to him, and I waved and smiled as the boys paddled faster. The boy on the mill wheel smiled back at me and returned my salute. The next second, we had turned the bend and were out of sight. "'Good boy!' said Shadow to me with a grin. "'We'll always leave it to you, Hawkins.' You've got to hand it to him, boys. He's there. I'll say, spoke Dick. What was it you said to him, Hawkins? I gave him the password, I said. Shadow knows where I got it, but it won't take him long to find out his mistake, and we will have to keep a weather eye out for his gang now. Hurry, you fellas. If you can't paddle faster, let me take a paddle. We gotta get these canoes back as quick as we can, and put them someplace where nobody can find them, which we did. End of chapter four.